out your Bibles, if you would, with me this morning. Take out your Bibles this morning. We are so glad you're here. And turn to Matthew chapter 17 within God's Word this morning. Matthew chapter 17 within God's Word this morning. If you don't have a study guide, uh, just lift up your hand. If you don't have this morning a giving guide or a faith promise brochure, lift up your hand and the ushers will get one to you this morning. Amen. If you grew up in church, what did your parents do when you were bad in church? What did your parents do when you were bad in church? Huh? Huh? My parents never gave me time out. Oh, I wish my parents would be like the, I wish my parents were like the new parents today. The new parents today, oh, they, they make sure they don't lay a hand upon you. They give you time out. I would have loved time out as a kid. When I was misbehaving while my dad was preaching and my mother and I would be sitting in the front pew because my mother was the organist. If I was misbehaving, my mother would lay her hand on my leg and then pinch the life out of my leg. Okay, Ken, you've been there too. Okay. And then in our church, there was a church basement. In our church, there was a stairway leading by the organ down to the church basement. In my little mind, that was the stairway to hell. Because if I got real bad and the pinching wasn't working, mom would lead me down that stairway. And I knew what mom was going to do to me once we got down to the bottom. Yeah. My dad had the greatest uh, altar calls ever because you'd hear screaming coming from hell. <laughs> Reminds me of the little boy that was misbehaving in church. And finally his dad threw him over his shoulder and carried him out the center aisle. And as the, the boy was being carried out the center aisle, he shouted out to the congregation, Church! Church! If you've ever prayed, pray now! Pray now! We have a boy that's mentioned in Matthew 17. We wish his problem was misbehaving. His problem is that he's demon-possessed. I know you've often wondered that about your children, but that's not the case here. This is reality. This is real. In fact, this is a demon that the disciples have never encountered before the father of the boy comes, we can imagine, to Jesus all perplexed, wringing his hands in emotional turmoil. Jesus, Jesus, I brought my son to your disciples for them to cast the demon out of him, but they could not. Why? This is confusing because Luke chapter 10 tells us that the demons were subject to the disciples, that they had already been casting out demons in their ministry. Why have they come up against a roadblock, an obstacle, a hindrance, a mountain? Later when they came to Jesus, Jesus told them, this is a species, that's the literal Greek, this is a species, this is a kind of demon you've never run into before. This kind only comes out through prayer and fasting. Somehow, way, the disciples have been caught coasting in their faith. 
And from the human perspective, this had become an invincible, impregnable, impossible mountain. This active point of satanic resistance. Some that I'm looking at right now, some that I'm talking to at this moment, you're facing impossible mountains. Some are facing bills that you can't pay, people that you can't please, booze that you can't resist, pornography that you can't refuse, a past that you can't shake, a future that you can't change. Some of you are facing a health mountain. It's been a long time that I can remember ever ministering to so many people in the church that are struggling with cancer as we are presently dealing with right now, both men and women. At last count, there's about seven men in this church dealing with cancer issues. And a good handful of women. Or maybe the mountain that you're facing is a marital uh, a mountain. Uh, it's a cancer of the soul. It's a cancer of the very heart and the happiness of your family, of your marriage. And it's eating away at you, saying, it's impossible. It will never change. Give up on it. In fact, all of us, all of us need to see mountains moved. All of us need to experience the miraculous. So what is Jesus' prescription for mountain moving? What is the prescription of Jesus to experience the miraculous? Look at it in Matthew chapter 17, verse 19. Then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, Why couldn't we drive the demon out? Jesus replied, Because you have so little faith. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it'll move. Nothing will be impossible to you. Listen, it's never God's will or in His Word for you and I to live in the shadow, the gloom of an impossible mountain in our life, robbing us of God's best. That's not the will or the Word of God. God's will and Word is for us to be mountain movers. Let's learn how to experience the miraculous. Let's learn how to have miracle moments in our lives. Let's discover God's mountain moving principles for our lives. This morning, your mountain miracle moment. Let's fill in our first blank this morning as you're following along. Here's our first point this morning I want you to get a hold of. Jesus reveals mountain moving miracles are not based upon the size of our faith, but the object of our faith, an unshakable faith in God. For you Bible students out there, I want to point out to you a seeming contradiction in the words of Jesus, a dichotomy, a paradox. Matthew 17, verse 20. I want you to see the, con the seeming contradiction here. Jesus told the disciples, you have so little faith. So right away, we think the problem is little faith. But look at the next sentence. Jesus says, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, that's mountain-moving material. Well, what are you saying here, Jesus? Did you just... Contradict yourself? Ah, this is where we need to turn to Mark chapter 11. Mark, the version that Mark, the perspective of Mark on this. He expands on this. 
In Mark 11:22, Jesus said, "Have faith in God." Oh, you need to underscore that, encircle that, highlight it. For assuredly I say to you, Jesus said, "Whoever says to this mountain be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says." Have faith in God. You see, the disciples had put their faith in themselves. Their faith, their faith was grounded in the flesh. Their faith was grounded in self. That's why Jesus said they had little faith. But when you have faith in God, no matter how mustard seed size that is, that's great faith. That's great expectation. When you have faith in God, you have expectation faith in the one who spoke the universe and all things into existence with his living word. When you have faith in God, you have expectation faith in the one who miraculously rescued his people at the Red Sea. They had Pharaoh's army before them. They had the Red Sea to their back. But God spoke. And God made a way where there seemed to be no way. When you have faith in God, you have faith in the one who fed them with angel food cake, manna from the skies. You have faith in the one who makes the bitter water sweet. You have faith in the one who can even bring water out of a rock. You have faith in the one who stopped the mouths of lions in the lion's den. You have faith in the one who made it cool in the fiery furnace for Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. When you have faith in God, you have faith in the one who walked upon this planet in the form of Jesus. And he made the lame walk and he made the blind to see. He cast out the demons with just a spoken word and he raised the dead back to newness of life. Do you have faith in God? Do you have faith in God? Do you have faith in God? When you have expectation, faith in God, you have faith in the one who said, I am the Lord thy God, and I change not. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. That means today he's still healing. That means today he's still restoring. That means today he is still, hallelujah, delivering. Today he's still providing. That means today he's on the throne and everything's going to be all right. Put your faith in God and all things will be possible unto you. Mark it down. Everyone experiences mountains of adversity in life. There's a good thing about mountains. There's a good thing about problems and troubles. They expose the kind of stuff we're made of. Everyone experiences mountains of adversity in life which expose the attitudes of doubting defeatism or faith expectation that we've adopted. That brings us to Mark 11:24. Now I want you to gauge your prayer life by this verse. Do you pray? We all want miracles. We all want answers to our prayers. Do you pray according to the prescription given by Jesus? In verse 24, Jesus said, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, Believe that you received it. 
How would you act if you received your greatest miracle? You need to start acting that way in prayer. You need to start thanking Him and praising Him for the miracle in advance. Believe that you have received, and it'll be yours. It will be yours. These are not my words. They are the words of Jesus. I am the messenger. He is the message. You see, Jesus is talking about an attitude in prayer. Jesus is talking about an attitude in your walk and your talk. Jesus is talking about your attitude when you're confronted by impossible mountains. Attitude. What can we say about it? Your attitude is an inward feeling expressed by your outward behavior. Tomorrow when you go to work, tomorrow when you go to work, that person that gives you looks that could kill, they ain't singing, oh, happy day, down in their heart. Outward behavior expressed by an inward feeling. Your attitude is your choice. All of us. This morning, not only put on our clothes, all of us chose an attitude to come to church with. Your attitude determines your emotional health. Get a hold of that. The attitude that you choose to put on today will determine your emotional well-being. The American Association of Psychiatry has stated that one in every four one in every four, one in every four Americans is not emotionally well. Look at three people right now. If they look all right to you, you're that one. <laughs> your attitude is not only your choice, your attitude will determine your successes. Your attitude determines your attainments. Think of those that have ended up more blessed because of their mountains. Think of those that have ended up more successful because of their problems, their troubles. Back in the early part of the 19th or the 20th century, Glenn Cunningham was burned 90% of his body in a schoolhouse fire. The doctor said that you're never going to walk again, Glenn. He not only walked, he ran, and he ended up breaking, breaking the one-mile record for running and Olympic gold medals. Glenn Cunningham. Helen Keller. She was born blind and deaf. She was relegated to being mentally and emotionally incapacitated. But because of her attitude. She graduated from college with honors. She wrote books. She impacted her world. She changed her world and the world's perspective on the handicapped and the challenged. FDR, one of our greatest presidents, was elected into office sitting in what? A wheelchair with polio. And chose not to have his troubles or problems dictate and determine his life pathway. Troubles, mountains, are not necessarily bad. Mountains are brilliantly designed by God to stretch us in our faith and cause us to become something more than we ever thought possible in the name of Jesus. 
If those people could do that out of sheer human effort, think of what we can do in the name of Jesus and for the glory of God. You see, an attitude of expert expectation, that's why we named this year Expectation 2017, an attitude of expectation faith, it persists, it endures, it perseveres, it just doesn't quit, it doesn't go A-W-O-L, it refuses to be a dropout. Why doesn't God always bring miracles instantly in our lives? Because He wants us to develop faith muscles every day as you're confronting your mountain you're trusting God you're trusting God you're moving in God confidence your faith is growing your faith is persevering it refuses to quit you're getting stronger you're becoming a spiritual giant in the name of Jesus mountain be moved life can be a grindstone Talk to a jeweler and how they use grindstones. Grindstones, grindstones chip away at our existence. A grindstone to a diamond can make that diamond sparkle and shine. But that same grindstone applied to hard rock can grind it down into dust. The grindstone's consequences are all dependent upon the stuff that you are made of. Are you made up of the right stuff? I'm talking about attitude, faith attitude. Are you made of the stuff of expectation faith in our God who will not and cannot fail us? Do you expect God to heal? Do you expect God to save, restore, and provide to move your mountain? Mark it down. Jesus wants us to release our expectation faith by speaking, speaking to our mountains. He wants us to release the miracle in our mouths. This, to me, is so marvelous. The pathway that God has designed, the strategy that God has designed for you and I to experience miracles. A group of elderly people in an old folks home in Florida were sitting around a coffee table, sipping their coffee. And the conversation was getting pretty bleak. The one said, oh, my arms are so weak. I can't even pick up my cup of coffee. The other said, you think that's bad? My, my cataracts have gotten so bad, I can't even see my cup of coffee. The next one said, well, arthritis has so affected C5, C6 in my neck, I, I can't even turn my head to drink my cup of coffee. And then, of course, the other one said, well, I already got blood pressure problems, and, the, and this caffeine just makes my blood pressure go through the roof. Then one dear old lady, she slapped her hand down the table and said, enough complaining. We need to be thankful. We need to be thankful. Praise God, at least we can drive. <laughs> at least we can drive. 
Again, look at Mark chapter 11, verses 22 through 24. Five times, five times you can mark them. Jesus, Jesus says, speak to your mountain. Speak to your troubles. Speak to adversity. Speak to those things that hinder you from God's best in your life. Speak to them. Don't meditate on them. Don't debate about them. Don't wonder about them. Speak at them. Command them. That's what we see not just in the New Testament. We see it in the Old Testament. Joel chapter 3 verse 10. Let the weak say what? I'm namby-pamby. Let the weak say I'll, I'll, I'll never, I'll never uh, make the grade. Let the weak say I'm a loser. You might be weak right now in body. You might be weak in opportunities. You might be weak in finances. You might be weak in your health. I don't know what your weakness is, but the word of the Lord to you this morning is this. Let the weak say, I am strong. I am strong. I'm God's child. I'm a servant of the Most High. I'm a king's kid. The royal blood of heaven flows through my veins. Hallelujah. I am strong. Let the weak say I am strong. Let the sick say I am healed. Let the poor say I am blessed. Let the suffering say I am whole and on my way to victory. To move your mountain, receive it, believe it, and then release it. This again is not just New Testament. This is God's principle throughout the whole Bible. Look at David, little boy David's confrontation with that mountain of a man, Goliath. When Goliath came up against the Israelites... The Israelite soldiers thought, he's so big. This mountain of a man, Goliath. We can never kill him. Then a little shepherd boy by the name of David, this teenager, he comes up to the soldiers and he must have thought, he's so big, I can't miss him. Attitude, attitude attitude and then note as you study the scriptures how David changed the entire atmosphere by the miracle in his mouth read with me 1 Samuel 17 verse 26 when David was talking with the soldiers David said who is this heathen Philistine anyway that he's allowed to defy the armies of the living God and then when David was brought in before King Saul, listen to what David said. The Lord who saved me from the claws uh, and the teeth of the lion and the bear will save me from this Philistine. And now listen what he said as he ran to the roar of this mountain of a man, Goliath. What did David say as he ran to his problem? You come to me with sword and a spear, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. Today the Lord will conquer you, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And Israel will learn that the Lord does not depend on weapons to fulfill his plans. He works without regard to human means. He will give you to us. Hallelujah. And with that, he flung the stone. And that, 
as you know, is the end of the story of Goliath who lost his head to a little shepherd boy who won the day because he spoke victory into existence because he had an attitude that fostered a miracle mentality and he moved the mountains in his life and in Israel's life. Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Most Holy Spirit-filled, Pentecostal, charismatic, full gospel Christians can quote that. But they forget the second half of the verse. What's the second half of the verse? Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And you will eat the fruit thereof. What kind of an atmosphere, what kind of an environment are you creating in your home, your marriage, your life, your situation, by your words? Whatever you are planting, you will harvest. Whatever you are sowing, you will reap. Whatever you are fostering, you will experience what kind of an environment are you creating with your words with your words are you creating victory or defeat are you creating blessing or curse are you speaking life or death whatever environment you're speaking you're going to have to live in it the Lakeside family, to bring you up to date, has been speaking to our new construction and improvement needs by planting good seed in good soil. Many of you are aware, especially the members, that our total phase four ministry and outreach building expansion that we're now doing is a $5.1 million need. We put before the membership of this church an audacious, challenging goal. We put a goal before this congregation and membership. We recommended that we cash fund this $5.1 million need with cash of 42%. That equates to a cash funding need of $2.1 million and that it would be paid and in the bank by December the 31st, 2016. And the good news is this. Due to God's faithfulness and Lakeside's generosity, this mountain of need was conquered on October the 31st, two months ahead of schedule. Hallelujah. So that mountain has been conquered. Our cash funding mountain has been conquered. But God's people, God's people, they constantly need to be challenged. We need new mountains to climb, new mountains to conquer, new mountains to move. As I said this morning, once we build the new facilities, we need furnishings and equipment in them. 
So the two new mountains that are before us of finishing touches and children's ministry improvements mountain of need, $210,000. We want to have a state-of-the-art, razzle-dazzle, sharp children's ministry that all the young families moving into Macomb Township, Macomb County, Shelby Township, on and on and on, they'll want to bring their kids to church here. And we want to see young lives disciple for Jesus Christ. A $210,000 mountain. The good news about this mountain, it's $210,000, but by January the 31st of this year, $178,000 of this mountain has been conquered. Hallelujah! Amen! Amen! Come on, that's shout material. This mountain is already, and we don't even have February's numbers yet. This mountain is already almost conquered. So we need another mountain. We need, because you need to grow in the faith. <laughs> and we still have need, need. God always, always provides seed for the need. Our next mountain of need. Our 2017-2018 worship center and chapel improvements between now and the end of 2018. Between now and the end of 2018, we are believing that God can help us completely renovate this room with new seating, with new uh, platform arrangements, a platform curtain up here, new sound, video. We need to bring this 1990s room into the 21st century to minister to a 21st century audience for the glory of God. We want to do the same thing with our chapel. We want to facilitate our choir, our praise team, those in the worship and the creative arts, those that are pastors, uh, our ministries throughout the church. We want to give them the tools to reach, teach, and keep. The cost of this need, $375,000. In the giving guide you have been given, there's something everybody can do. There's something everybody can do. We're not talking about equal amounts. We're talking about equal sacrifice, equal faith believing. Surely there's something that you can do. Think of it. Uh, you can provide a chair for a young person for the next 12 months at just $2 a week and purchase that chair for the glory of God. It's all in there for you. How can we do it? Your pastor believes in miracles. I believe with God all things are possible. I believe that by speaking to our need that God uh, can move that mountain in the name of Jesus. For if we will do everything faithfully that we're called to do, then God can do what only God can do. Our expansion and improvement vision has one common denominator. Souls. I hope that you see that every improvement, every expansion... Every finishing touch is about people reaching people for Jesus Christ. Jesus said in Matthew 17, 20, if you have faith as a grain of sand. Is that what it says there? Well, why didn't he say grain of sand? A grain of sand is just as small as a mustard seed. Sand is all around Jesus. Why didn't he, see, why didn't he say a grain of sand? A grain of sand is sterile. It's lifeless, but a seed 
is loaded with potential. A little boy brought his lunch to Jesus and said, Jesus, I know the need is great. I know that there are thousands of people here to be fed. But Jesus, I give you my lunch that this mountain can be moved and little with God becomes much. He did it and you can do it as well. Plant your seed. Seed is for planting, not partaking. Some Christians spend their entire lives eating the seed that God has placed within their hands. Has God given you health? Has God given you a brain? Has God provided you a job? Has God provided you income? Walk with me in the hospital corridors and I can show you countless people that don't have that any longer. What has God given to you? Don't eat your seed. Plant your seed. I feel sorry for some people. There's some people that never ever experience miracles. Why? This is not the only reason. And let us not be confused. Let me look in the video cameras. And for any cell phones that are recording me right now, let me speak it for that as well. You cannot buy God's miracles. You cannot buy God's miracles. I do not subscribe to a doctrine or a faith where you can buy God's miracles. God is not for sale. Let's be clear on that. But on the other hand, the reason some do not experience the miraculous is because they're not obeying and walking by faith in God's principle of sowing and reaping living to give we're blessed to be a blessing God's word is clear abundantly clear that if you'll be faithful in tithes and offerings God will open up the floodgates of heaven and give you the miraculous blessings that you cannot even contain we're talking about the principle of generosity, moving our mountains by planting our seed instead of eating our seed. Mountain moving expectation, lastly, is best expressed through praise. Through praise. Through praise. This church, <laughs> in one of its main purposes, if not its number one purpose is worship and praise unto our God and King. God has blessed your pastor with a great education and I'm thankful for it. I've been able to attend and be educated at four different cemeteries. I mean seminary. Where you gotta eat the meat and spit out the bones. But I've never, ever, ever had an education like the 12 disciples who walked and talked with Jesus. Can you imagine? And went to Jesus University for three whole years. I want to speak about one of the graduates of Jesus University. You know him as Thomas. Thomas was there 
when Jesus walked upon the water. Thomas was there when Jesus spoke to the storm and rebuked it and the wind and the waves were still. Thomas was there when the lame would walk and the blind would see. Thomas was there when the demons were cast out and the dead were raised to newness of life. Thomas saw all of these things. And yet in the end, when the disciples came running to him and said, Jesus is alive, resurrected from the dead, just as he promised, what did Thomas say? Unless I see him, unless I place my fingers in the nail prints in his hands, his feet, his side, I will not believe. Thomas was saying, I've got to see it before I believe it. And he ended up receiving a rebuke from the resurrected Lord who said unto him, you have believed because you have seen. But I speak a blessing upon all of those who have not yet seen. But they believe. How many are here this morning? You have not seen, yet you believe. God's blessing is upon you. God's blessing is upon you. There's the principle. It's the principle that is throughout God's word. You've heard me share it many, many times. When did Israel shout at the walls of Jericho before or after they came down? When did Jesus give thanks at the tomb of Lazarus before or after the resurrection miracle? When did David give thanksgiving to God when he faced Goliath before or after the battle? When did Paul and Silas praise the Lord when they were bound at that midnight hour in that Philippian dungeon, hands and feet bound? When did they praise the Lord? Before or after they were set free? Stop looking at your mountain and saying, it's impossible. And start praising the Lord and saying, with God, all things are possible. Stop saying we're too poor and start praising the Lord and saying my God shall supply all of my need. Stop saying I'm sick. Oh God, I'm going to die. Start thanking the Lord. Praise the Lord for your miracle and say the prayer of faith shall heal the sick by his stripes. I am made whole. Stop saying the best days are behind me. The enemy has robbed me of my joy in marriage. He's robbed me of my children and start praising the Lord and saying if God be for us who can be against us greater is he that's within me than he that's within this world and by the way stop saying I remember the good old days a Pentecostal revival in the church. I remember when the anointing used to come down. I remember when God's Holy Spirit used to be poured out. I remember those good old days. My Bible and your Bible says, in the last days I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. I don't know about you, honey, but I'm looking and I'm believing for a greater revival. I'm believing for a greater outpouring. I'm believing God's spirit is about to be poured out like refreshing rain falling from sea to shining sea. I'm believing God's going to do great things at our Word and Spirit Conference 2017. Will you believe with me?
I believe that a great awakening is coming. I believe that a great revival is coming. I'm believing that the latter rain is about to fall, for I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Stop saying I can't. And start saying, praise the Lord. With God's help, I can. I can be blessed. I can be healed. I can be restored. I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. Don't wait to thank the Lord after your mountains are moved. Start praising Him now. Start thanking Him now. He's on the throne and everything's going to be all right. Stop telling God how big your mountain is and start telling your mountain how big your God is. Glory to Jesus. Precious Jesus. Lynn Short, where you at, honey? For those of you up in the balcony, you can see that Lynn's right over here with her beautiful family. Lynn Short, a couple of Sundays ago, asked me if I could give her my personal cell phone number. I said, sure, definitely. I always give out my personal cell phone number for the dear members of this church that are going through deep valleys. They're facing terrible mountains. The short family, Mike and Lynn, because the two were one. In 2016, got a terrible diagnosis from the doctor, the big C word, cancer. What was it, Lynn? Two, three, stage two, three. I'm sorry, I can't see. Two, there you go, I can see that. And I like that symbol. Because the two, to me, look like victory. A port has been positioned to deliver chemo in her chest. Some of the people you sit by in church, you don't realize what they're going through. And all the future tomorrows, children, grandchildren, weddings, pass before your eyes so quickly. So I give out my phone number in case there's an emergency, case there's a hospital stay we want to be Johnny on the spot we want to serve in case they just needed somebody to pray with them in a moment of terrible disappointment and discouragement I didn't know I didn't realize what was going to follow when I gave my phone number out and I hope this is okay Lynn but I know that these messages have been given to far more than just me all of a sudden, every day I start getting text messages on my phone from Lynn Short. And I want to share two of those with you here this morning. Put that on the screen if you would. I am beautiful. I am strong. 
I am woman turned warrior, trained by the king for the very battle that is in front of me. Jesus heals. Woman of God, God wants you to know this illness can't have you. Have faith. Every damaged cell in my body, I command you to be repaired right now in the name of Jesus. When you say of the Lord, you're my healer, you're my way maker, my dream giver, my restorer, that's when God will show up and do more than you can ask or think. I've got this. Uh, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm a child of God. I am that warrior woman who gets up despite the enemy trying to destroy me. A woman who declares victory before seeing it. A woman who believes I will receive my miracle because I know the Lord I serve is alive by my side every day. Amen and amen. Would you give him praise and glory? Hallelujah. 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 Our God reigns. Our God's on the throne. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. Lynn and so many others that are struggling with cancer, we are with you and we are with you especially to not only carry the load but to see the mountain moved, to conquer the mountain in the name of Jesus. Father, right now we ask in the name of Jesus that Lord, you would lead, you would guide that this altar down here this morning would be a place for people to receive miracles, healing, provision, victory, mountain moving in the name of Jesus. There's an old song. It says, got any rivers you think are uncrossable? You got any mountains that you can't tunnel through? Our God specializes in things thought impossible. And He can do what no other God or power can possibly do. We're believing for that for you this morning. 